The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. That very day, the first day of the week, two of Jesus' disciples were going to a village seven miles from Jerusalem called Emmaus, and they were conversing about all the things that had occurred. And it happened that while they were conversing and debating, Jesus himself drew near and walked with them, but their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. He asked them, what are you discussing as you walk along? They stopped looking downcast. One of them named Cleopas said to him in reply, are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know of the things that have taken place there in these days? And he replied to them, what sort of things? They said to him, the things that happened to Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word, before God and all the people, how our chief priests and rulers both handed him over to a sentence of death and crucified him. But we were hoping that he would be the one to redeem Israel. And besides all this, it is now the third day since this took place. Some women from our group have astounded us. They were at the tomb early in the morning and did not find his body. They came back and reported that they had seen a vision of angels who announced that he was alive. Then some of those with us went to the tomb and found things just as the women had described, but him they did not see. And he said to them, Oh, how foolish you are, how slow of heart to believe all that the prophets spoke. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? Then beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them what referred to him in all the scriptures. As they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther. But they urged him, stay with us, for it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And it happened that while he was at table with them, he took bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Then they said to each other, were not our hearts burning within us while he spoke to us on the way and opened the scriptures to us? So they set out at once and returned to Jerusalem, where they found gathered together the eleven and those with them who were saying, the Lord has truly been raised and has appeared to Simon. Then the two recounted what had taken place on the way and how he was made known to them in the breaking of the bread. The Gospel of the Lord. During the season of Easter, every Sunday we read from a section of the Gospels that deals with those 40 days from the time Jesus rose from the dead till his uh, ascension up into heaven. It's a beautiful part of the Gospels. If you ever are interested in uh, reading through the scriptures in a way that you, you have a few moments of free time and you want to sort of go to the heart of the Gospel message, just go to the last chapter of each of those Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and you'll just read about Jesus in an amazing way. And then you can continue with the Acts of the Apostles, those first days of the Christian church. There was two things I wanted to talk about today, two new experiences these apostles and disciples had to 
discover in these 40 days. One of them is something that you can sort of infer from the text, and another one is something said very directly in the story of Emmaus. The first one, the first you could say uh, change for the apostles was Jesus rose from the dead, but he didn't just stay with them 24 hours a day and, and as before. He, he came and went, and he would appear and disappear. But they started to realize that in those 40 days, the times Jesus would appear was on Sunday. If you think about the resurrection at Easter, it was Sunday. He then appeared in the evening of the upper room on Sunday. The apostles or disciples going to Emmaus, it was Sunday. And there was one of the apostles who wasn't there, it was Thomas. And so then the next part of the scripture says, well, the next week, so a week later on Sunday, Thomas was there and Jesus appears to him and says, Thomas, stop disbelieving and believe. And then he tells the apostles, go and find me in Galilee, which is quite a bit north of Jerusalem. So they would have left on the Monday and it takes about five days to get there and then they'd be at the Sabbath. So then the next day it says they were fishing. It was a Sunday and that's when Jesus walks by the shore and calls them to have breakfast it was Sunday that the apostles and disciples found Jesus. And that's why the early church called Sunday the Lord's Day. If you see that in the scriptures, it's even in the last book of the Bible. John the Evangelist, who's very old and he's on Patmos and he has a vision of the apocalypse and he writes it. It's called the book of Revelation and it begins, he says, it's the Lord's Day. It was a Sunday and Jesus appeared to him. I guess I could end the homily here to say, well, I guess that means we should always go to church on Sunday, right? That's when Jesus wants to meet us. Um, I'll go a little bit farther, right? We can maybe have a little more nuance to this. The second reality for the apostles and disciples was that Jesus didn't look the same, and they had to get used to seeing him in different ways. In the story of Emmaus, they call him a visitor to Jerusalem. It's a word, the visitor, you could interpret it as foreigner, right? He's not one of them. He looks different. But the greatest change happens at the end of the story. It says Jesus broke the bread and he vanishes and that's when they see him and they knew him in the breaking of the bread. And that early church recognized that Jesus never wanted to leave us. He wanted to be with us. And that communion bread, which we call the Eucharist, which we always keep in our church tabernacle, that's Jesus with us in a mysterious sacramental way. The early church had to discover him there. And for the last 2,000 years, Christians have been accompanied by him and have discovered him there in that communion bread. Well, I have some an artwork that I want to share today, which... Uh, comes from a period of history called the Catholic Restoration. And uh, this is a painting by Federico Barocci. No one knows who he is because he was around the time at the end of the lives of like Raphael and Michelangelo. So those guys stole the limelight. But Barocci was a great painter. And uh, you can't really see a whole lot in this painting from this distance. So I'd like to kind of focus on Jesus it's a Baroque painting, just at the beginning. End of Renaissance Baroque, it means it's busy, it's noisy, it's colorful. Barocci thought he was, he liked to consider himself a composer of music, he just used colors. 
and uh, he had some beautiful insights into Jesus at the Last Supper. We all have seen Da Vinci's Last Supper, right? There's this long table with the 12 apostles. John is next to Jesus. You can't really see what's on the table. The, the drama in a Renaissance painting of the Last Supper is between Jesus and Judas, who's off to the side holding the money bag. And what they're saying is this, the Last Supper was the time that the moment Judas betrayed Jesus. Well, as the Renaissance moves on, there's a lot of renewal happening all over Europe. And one of the problems of the, of the church at the time was there was a lot of ignorance in a lot of places. And some people, and specifically Germany, got a little upset, Martin Luther, and they began to form a different Christian church. And for different historical reasons and theological reasons, some of those new Christian churches didn't believe that Jesus was truly present in the bread the same way that the Catholic Church has always believed. Now there's, I don't want to kind of get into that whole debate, but there was an understanding at the moment of what we call the Catholic Restoration, which was to say, we need to remember the beauty of the sacraments of the church. And it was a time when you had great saints like Philip Neri, Charles Borromeo, Teresa of Avila, John of the Cross, Ignatius of Loyola, and they were Francis de Sales as well. They were renewing the church by being holy men and women. And not only that, they had composers and architects and painters that all joined in in this beautiful restoration. And so if you look at a painting from the 1600s of the Last Supper, it always looks like Jesus is celebrating the Catholic Mass. You see, he's holding... The, the, the interest now is to show how Jesus in that moment, it wasn't just when Judas betrayed Jesus, it's when Jesus handed himself over to us in the communion bread that we call the Eucharist. In fact, Barocci has this triangle in the center of the head of Jesus with his arms, and he's holding the bread with a golden plate in about 10 minutes. That's exactly what I'll be doing on the altar the Catholic Restoration was a moment of discovering anew the beauty of the Eucharist. Now, if we zoom out again, and Judas is still in the painting, actually. Uh, it's busy, but he's on the, from what you're looking at, he's on the right side, and he's the one who's not looking at Jesus. He's kind of in deep thought, who knows what he's really thinking in that moment, but he's not looking at the Lord who's offering him the Eucharist. Now, Barocci spent a little bit of time in Rome and was a fan of Raphael's artwork. Raphael has a painting, you can Google this lady later, called The School of Athens. And then that painting, he paints uh, all of the great philosophers, Plato and Aristotle, and he adds a, a philosopher called Heraclitus. And instead of, since he didn't know what he looked like, he, he made Heraclitus look like Michelangelo. They didn't get along very well. So Michelangelo was the figure that then Barocci took to paint as Judas. So somehow Michelangelo must have had words with Barocci at some point, and they uh, treated each other that way. So 
Michelangelo ends up as Judas, but he's also the philosopher Heraclitus, which said, nothing is what it is, everything's always changing. And so what Barocci is also saying is, no, Jesus is who he is. And Jesus said, this is my body, this is my blood. If we zoom out a little bit farther, we look at the bottom of the painting, you see these servants that are gathering water. This painting is over an altar, and when you look at the water at the bottom of the painting, it's symbolizing baptism. And after you're baptized, you can then climb two steps, three steps, and get up to Jesus. We can look at Jesus again, who offers us the Eucharist. Our young ones here have been baptized a few years ago and are now welcomed into, you've climbed those three steps to Jesus today who offers you his sacramental presence in the communion bread. That is also a time for us to remember the beauty of our Christian life that truly begins anew at our baptism. Jesus has done so much for us today. Let us perhaps open our hearts to welcome him again, to find him perhaps in the scriptures, reading about the time of the resurrection, perhaps coming to the church during the week to just sit for a little bit of time here in the church with the Eucharist in our tabernacle. Those are transforming moments of our lives. And this Easter season truly is a call and an invitation from God to let him into your life. Let him walk with you. Let him surprise you in whatever way he wants to surprise you this week. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, amen.